Hi, welcome to our Hot Rod Bible Study. So tonight, we're going to be in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 12 through 21 tonight. And so as um, I'll go through the, the study, I'll go ahead and read um, these 10 verses, and then we'll go back and we'll see um, what it is that the Lord has for us. Um, but before we get started tonight, um, let's ask um, the Lord um, to be in our study tonight. So Father God, we thank you, Lord. As you meet us uh, here, Lord, and you meet us in the area, Lord, where we open up your word, um, Lord, we ask, Lord, tonight that you would um, not only speak into our hearts, Lord, but that we would take your word um, deeply in our hearts, Father, and that we would take it out as we leave this place, Father. We may share it uh, with people, Father, who don't know you. Um, Lord, we, we ask, Lord, that you would do a mighty work in each and every one of us tonight. Um, we ask, Lord, that as people come online tonight and see the study tonight also, Lord, we pray that you would be with them. And whatever it is that each and every one of us are going through, Lord, we lay them at your feet tonight and ask that you would have your way with us. Father God, we love you, Lord, and we pray all of these things tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to start off here in verse 12. Um, and so here we go. Um, it says, for this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. Yes, I think it is right, as long as I am in this tent, to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. Christ, um, after my deceased, I'm sorry, did I skip it? Yeah, after my deceased, I'm sorry, I skipped a page. For we did not follow cunning device fables when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed that which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place. Until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And so as we've been studying through Second um, Peter, what's, what's so amazing to me tonight as we look in the word of God, one of the things that really jumps out is that as we went through the background, as we just opened up the very first part of Second Peter, one of the things that was so amazing that there was some uh, discussion about Second Peter and one of the things that became in the discussion that the writing, um, the, the writing characteristics of First and Second Peter were much different. And so there was much discussion about maybe possibly keeping Second Peter out of the original 66 books of, of the Bible, the canon. Um, and so what I think is so interesting about this is that I believe that verses 20 and 21 that speaks about that no private, you know, it was no private person's thoughts that came through the word of God. It was that God moved on the hearts of men, godly men, 
and they pinned uh, this Bible. And I just think that it's so amazing because you think about the the discussion that happened um, about keeping possibly Second Peter out of the Bible. I just think it's so interesting that the enemy is always trying to remove powerful words of God. But we see that God ultimately he is the one that put these things before us. Um, and I just think it's so powerful. Well, we're going to go through the study tonight. But as we've been going through the study tonight, one of the things that I think that's been so um, interesting that we're going to see tonight, that we're going to see that tonight that Peter is getting to the end of his life and he's aware of it. He knows that he's coming um, before he's going to be martyred. And we remember how he's martyred. And we're going to go through this. Um, and so one of the things that he wants to leave and the reason why he's writing this letter is he wants to leave and make sure that the people that are following this letter, remember, these were the people that were dispersed because of the persecution that was going on with Caesar Nero. One of the things that he wants to leave with them for them to stay in the word of God. And I think that's a message for each and every one of us tonight that we would stay grounded in the word of God. And, and we're going to see the little bit of that tonight. But one of the things that I wanted to share with you tonight is, you know, I, I, I found this uh, story and, and I know that it might not seem like it fits I, in this in this spot, but I thought that it really did. And it's about popcorn. And, and yes, this is not a movie, um, but it is a it's about popcorn and it's, it speaks about a popcorn kernel. And, and you know, some of the things that I, that we I learned about this was interesting to me that it, a popcorn kernel, that it has moisture inside this hard shell of popcorn uh, kernel that it has uh, actually moisture inside. And it is when we heat it up, whether if we heat it up in the microwave or if we heat it up like I used to when we were kids in, in the Jiffy Pop, right? That was back on the stove. We used to heat up the, uh, the uh, that was, you know, we're kind of aging, dating our, ourselves right now, the Jiffy Pop on the stove. But when you heat it up, that moisture, it explodes. It gets hot enough and it explodes. And this is where we see that, that that thing that is on the inside, it becomes visible on the outside. And that explosion causes that, that exterior to be seen, that interior to be seen exteriorly. But we see that that hard kernel becomes soft and it becomes fluffy. And this is exactly what happens to us as we are followers and believers of Christ, that that, that moisture that it is in our heart when we accept Christ is the Holy Spirit. Right. The Bible speaks about the Holy Spirit being the water, the moisture. And it is when we take in that moisture and as we grow in the word of God that we get to the point where that explosion happens in our hearts and that we explode. And then what is on the inside, the hardness that we once were is no longer visible. It becomes the fluffy, the, the soft exterior comes out. And I love what Peter or Paul said that when we walk and this explosion happens, that these are the attributes that come out of us as we explode and become this kernel, um, this nice fluffy kernel. It comes from Galatians 5 2, and it is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, uh, godliness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. And it is just amazing to me to see that these are the attributes that God, and these are all characteristics of love. And we all know that God is love. And I just thought it was uh, interesting. So this is what Peter is going to be speaking um, to the readers tonight about, that their walk with God as he comes to the end of his life is about staying in the word of God, reminding them to stay in the word of God. And so we're going to see that tonight. So here we go, verse 12, and it says, For this reason I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in this present truth. 
Um, the thing that really jumps out at me here is that we see for this reason, and in the uh, NASB it says in this particular verse, it says therefore, and we remember as we come to in the Bible, as we come to the word therefore, we know it is speaking about something that happened in the previous uh, study that we studied. And so the one of the things that we remember from that, remember that there were seven characteristics um, that Peter was speaking to them about, that there's an area that they could grow in their faith. And we remember that those areas were so powerful that we would see that they would um, grow in those areas. And the, the, the list goes from virtue to knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. These are the areas that he is speaking about tonight. That these are the areas that we are talking about that for this reason, that this is the reason why he's writing this section, that we are to grow in these areas. And one of the things that it reminds me of is... Every year as my children go, um, one of them plays softball, one of my daughters and the other one plays baseball. And one of the things that as they go the very first year and they've played um, numerous years, but one of the things as they go to a brand new year and they go out to practice for the very first time, I love the way that the coach, he approaches them and he approaches them and they want to go through the fundamentals. And this is what Peter is saying here. We need to go back to the fundamentals, the word of God, that we can stay grounded in the word of God. And this is what Peter is calling them to, to go back to the fundamentals of the things that they're, they're speaking about. And he is reminding them. We see here in this short area that he says remind here in verse 12. The thing that's so amazing about this, that he uses it three times in this short section. And when scripture talks about things three times, he is drawing our attention that, that we need to be reminded to go back to the fundamentals. And I know many of us, there's many people who are Christians that are followers of Christ. And yes, I, I don't find anything wrong with reading Christian books or reading any other kinds of books, but it is that we are to stay in the word of God daily. Um, uh, another commentator had, had was speaking about uh, spending a certain amount of time and they, they oftentimes they, they talk about getting a, 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 a an actual list of how people read the Bible and it actually tells them that they're supposed to read something in the New Testament, something in the Old Testament. They read something out of Psalms, read something out of Proverbs, and, and this is what their daily reading plan is supposed to be. But one of the things that I'm always reminded of is that I think personally myself, and this is myself personally, that I think that if you could spend five minutes, and it doesn't matter if you're in the New Testament, if you're in the Old Testament, if you're in Psalms, or you're in Proverbs, Get five minutes of the word of God. Try not to, you know, I always, when I go through those reading plans, I think that I'm going for, for quantity and not quality. And the Lord wants us to spend quality time. If we can have, if we can set aside five minutes a day and spend time in the Lord, just five minutes, the, the Lord will use that. And I know many of us, a lot of, a lot of people come and they say, you know what, Mike, I love spending time in the word of God, but oftentimes that I don't always remember what it is that I, what I've read. And I said, it doesn't matter because God will bring those things. we will bring them back to you in the time of need. God will bring them back to you. And it, it's amazing how his word works. And, it, and this is exactly what he'll do. And so here in uh, verse 13, we see that, yes, I think it's right. As long as I am in this tent to stir you up by reminding you. We see something here in this verse. We see that Peter refers to his body as a tent. And there was a time in my life when I, I, I oftentimes I thought that maybe this wasn't a very good, uh, uh, you know, example of what our, our bodies are. But the older I get, I can see that this, this analogy of, of calling our bodies a tent is exactly what it is. Because many of us know that as the older I get, that many of us, we have a, I'm starting to get tears 
in my tent, right? This, this body, this, this thing. And the, the thing that's so amazing about this is that we see that Peter understands that this tent that God put us in, right? This isn't truly who we are, right? This is just the shell, the tent. This isn't, you know, this isn't truly our soul is who we truly are. But this tent that he put us in, we see as we age, it starts to have problems. As things start to happen to it, it starts to deteriorate. I love the way that one commentator actually said that he said that even though that he sets a tent, he went camping and he set a tent, and he said even though that it didn't rain, he said that the dew of the night caused it to sag, caused it to sag. So our tents are starting to sag. And I know that there's people that try to tent, tighten up their, their tent a little bit, but it's, you know, it's people do that to tighten up their tent. But we can see that our tents are deteriorating. But we see that Peter here, he, he's reminded of this, but he also, he goes back, and this, this comes from, um, I think you're going to love this, this comes from, uh, from uh, 2 Corinthians 5, um, verses 1 through 8. And it's, what it is actually, it is um, Peter speaking about his tent. Um, and so I just think that it's a, it's, it's a really uh, a touching thing that we would see that his tent, how it is brought up. Let me just find my place. Here we are. So this is, uh, this is Second uh, Corinthians uh, 5, verses uh, 1 through 8. It says, For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For if we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven, if indeed having been clothed, we shall be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who has prepared us for this thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we always are confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. For we are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And I think as, as Peter, as he starts to speak about this tent, it's interesting to me that as he's speaking about going to be with the Lord, and we can see that he is referring to his tent as being temporary, that it is temporary. But we see that we one day we are going to receive, and we are going to receive a glorified body as Jesus Christ, as he receives and was resurrected, he has a glorified body. And the Bible says that one day we will be like him. We will be like Christ. And I know many of us, we think like, wow, it's going to be an amazing thing for us to be like Christ. But we're going to receive these glorified bodies that no longer will age and they will no longer deteriorate. We will get our permanent our dwelling. We will have our permanent dwelling. And this is a beautiful thing that we will have. Uh, I just think it's so powerful that we see this here. Um, but one of the things that we see here in this verse also, but we see that Peter said in this tent to stir you up by reminding you. We see that Peter, he takes his call very seriously. We remember that in John 21, we remember that as he, as the Lord was restoring him, he, one of the things that he told him, he told him, he said, Peter, do you love me? And we know this area of scripture, he says, but feed my sheep. And we see that he takes this call very seriously. As Peter comes to the end of his life, that he takes this call and he wants to make sure that the sheep are being fed by the word of God. And I think that it's so powerful that we see that as he comes to the end of his life, that he knows. And we see something in Peter that he is not concerned about himself, that we see as he's going on to be with the Lord, that he's not concerned about himself whatsoever, that he trusts in the promises of God 
knowing that God has created an eternal home for him. And he goes before that, and he is not concerned, but he is concerned about completing the work that the Lord has put before him. The thing that is so powerful that we see that he is concerned about that. So we see something here um, in verse 14. It says, knowing that shortly I must be put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. And so he is speaking about that he must be put off his tent. And this also comes from John 21, that the Lord told Peter exactly how he was, his life was going to end. And it, is, it comes from John uh, 21, 18. And it says, most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. We all remember, um, go ahead. Oh, excuse me. I want to know, is he referring to as he matures in the faith that he's going to suffer for that or is what, uh, towards when he's getting older? As he's getting older, yes. Is he referring, it's a reference of him getting older as he, as he walks. And, and one of the things that we see in this is, and I, I believe that this confirms this, that, that one of the things that we remember that as he, remember that Peter, he was crucified, right? We remember he was crucified and he requested to be crucified upside down, right? We know that because he, and, and this didn't come from the Bible. You know, this is ancient, you know, uh, speakings about Peter that he requested to be uh, crucified upside down because he said he wasn't worthy to be crucified like his Lord. But one of the things that I, that I really draw from this, and, and uh, um, thank you for asking for that, Jerry, because one of the things that it reminds me of is remember that in the book of Acts, in, in Acts 12, we remember that if you remember this, this uh, story, remember that, that, uh, that Herod was persecuting the church and he had killed James. He had killed him with a sword. And so he, that this thing pleased the Jews. It pleased them. And so what he did is he went out and he arrested Peter and he had him thrown in prison. And he was going to actually, he was going to be martyred at that time. He told him that he was going to be brought before death. And one of the things that we see that it was because of the Passover, he told him it would not happen till the next day. And we remember the story there in, in Acts 12. They remember that Peter, he fell asleep. And we see that it is because Peter knew the promise of God that he would not meet his demise until he was older, until he was old, that he was, this is the reason why Peter could sleep. I, I believe that many of us in this room, if somebody came and said, stay here tomorrow, you're going to be executed. I, I don't think any of us would get any sleep. And so this is the thing that we, I see in this, that we see that Peter, he believed in the promises of God. And, and the thing that's so amazing about this story, we remember that as he was there, that the angel had to shake Peter. He, he was asleep. He was calling to Peter and Peter was so asleep that he trusted in God and he was having a good sleep that the angel had to wake him up. And we remember that as soon as the angel woke him up, they say that his chains fell from his hands. And he told him to gird himself and to gather his clothing and to actually to come with him. And, and one of the things that's so amazing that it says in that, in that part of scripture that the church was praying earnestly for Peter to be released from prison. They were praying together. And we see that as he, this angel came to him and he walked him out of the gates and it said when he got past the second gate, that this is when Peter realized that this was real. He thought it was he was having a vision, but he realized that he was real. And now he was on the outside of the gates. And this is when the angel left him. And so he goes to the area, right? It says that it's John Mark's uh, mother's house, Mary's house that he goes to. And he goes there and he starts to knock on the door. 
And the lady that comes to answer the door, her name is Rhoda. But she, by hearing his voice as he's knocking on the door, it's Peter, it's Peter, he's knocking on the door. She recognizes his voice, doesn't open the door. She turns around and goes back to the prayer meeting that they were having for him. And she says, Peter's at the door. And they tell her, you're beside yourself. Right? You're crazy. This is not, not. And, and the thing that I, I really gather from this study is that oftentimes us as believers, as followers in Christ, that when we pray to God for something that's going on, when God moves, we should never be surprised. And they were surprised that Peter was standing before them. And so they finally convinced them to come to the door and they opened the door and they said they were astonished. The Bible says they were astonished that Peter was there. But this is the thing that they were praying for, that he would be released. But we see there is nothing too hard for God. And we see that God moved mightily and he delivered him. But uh, this is one of the areas, Jerry, I believe that this is the reason why he slept so well. Because he was too young and he believed that God said it's when you were old that they will gird you and they will carry you where you do not go. And he was speaking about him being hung on the cross, hung on the cross. Okay, so we um, we see that that's chapter 14 and and, and uh, we see something in that um, it's just this amazing thing that we see that uh, that study there. But we remember in this time that this time that Caesar Nero was heavy persecuting. This pro takes place 64, 67 AD, heavy persecution from Caesar Nero. And so this is the reason why they believe um, that he is possibly um, thinking about that he's going to go to be with the Lord. So here in verse 15, it says, moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my deceased. And so as this reminder, once again, it is just that they would stay in the word of God and stay grounded in the things of God. And also that they would continue to stay in those seven characteristics that their faith would be grown. And this is the seven characteristics that we talked about. But this, what I, what I, I love about this verse is that we see this very last word here, the word deceased. It is the word in the original Greek. It is the word exodus. And, and, and so he speaks about his, his end of his life as an exodus. And we all remember that the children of Israel, as they left, um, as the children of Israel left Egypt and they left to go to the promised land, they called that the exodus, right? The exodus. But we see that Peter is referring to as he's going to go to be with the Lord, he is considering an exodus that he would leave this earth and that he would go to the promised land. The promised land that he is speaking about is heaven. That he had his eyes set on heaven. The promised land. The exodus that he would be leaving here to go, go to, to, be with the Lord, to be with the Lord. One of the things that, I, that I, I love about this also. That we remember that the children of Israel when they left, um, when they left uh, Egypt. That Egypt in the, in the Bible is a picture of the world. And it is like Peter, he's saying, I'm leaving this world and I'm going to the promised land to be with God. And it's just so powerful that we see that he is going to be with the Lord in all of that. And so we see here in verse 16, it says, For we did not follow cuttingly devised fables when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ before we were eyewitness of his majesty. Um, one of the things that we see in this, that we see that Peter is telling them at this time was going around that, man, we're going to get into it as we get into chapter two, that these false teachers were teaching that, that the things that, that, that were going around with Peter and the apostles that were going around, the things that are going around, they, they're, they're speaking about that. They're saying that this, the, they're twisting the, the word of God. And they were actually changing it. And so this is the reason why Peter here, he's starting to say that 
that we actually were eyewitnesses. We saw the majesty of God, that we were eyewitnesses. These aren't fables. They weren't, the Bible refers to fables as a myth. They aren't myths. And when I was thinking about this week, one of the things that, I, that I'm just so in awe of, that God left his written word that we would read it. That he didn't leave myths passed on or fables passed on from generation to generation. If you've ever been in a, in a, in a place where somebody tells you a story, by the time at the end of the day comes, the story is so changed. And this is the reason why I love that God put his word in 66 books of a Bible that we would have it for us, each and every one of us, that we could read the word of God. It is alive. The word of God is alive and we see um, that. But one of the things that these fables, so we see that Peter is speaking to them that these things did not come by any myth, that we were eyewitnesses. We were there. And we remember that that scripture talks about that in the Bible, they said that you need to have one or two people to be a witness. And this is what he was saying. Peter, James, and John, the disciples were there, eyewitnesses to these things. And they're going to talk, um, and, and he's, he, what the area that he's starting to speak about, it is the Mount of Transfiguration that he is speaking about, that they saw the majesty of God. And this is the area that he's going to be speaking about here uh, as we get into verse 17. It says, For he received from God the Father honor and glory, when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. You see, this area comes from, and, and you know, when oftentimes when I, I, I read about, or I hear about the Mount of Transfiguration, um, one of the things that's so interesting about this is that, that when we, we were in Israel, um, they took us to a place and they said, this is where we believe that the Mount of Transfiguration took place, and it was at Mount Hermon. They believe, and but the Bible doesn't really clearly say um, that it did take place there. Some people, commentators believe that maybe Mount Tabor. Um, the Bible really doesn't say, and so these are one of the questions that we're going to have to wait till we get to heaven and ask the Lord where the Mount Transfiguration took place. But one of the things that I think it's so amazing, if you're familiar with the story of Mount Transfiguration, that we remember that Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him up on the mount with them. And that he went and then he was transfigured. The Bible said he was transfigured. And what it was is that he was taking down the veil of his humanity. And this, they said that his face became like the sun, that it shined brightly like the sun and his clothes became like a light. And we see that in this, that, that Jesus was in this time of the Mount Transfiguration, he was taking down his veil of his humanity. And he was allowing God, who he is, shine through. And we see that this thing, it, 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 it frightened the disciples. It frightened them. But what Peter was the one in that area that after Jesus said, or God came down from heaven and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And at the end of that section, he said, hear him, that they would hear him. And this is the area that they see. But after they saw that they were shining down, that they were afraid that this is where Peter said, we remember what Peter, and he's always talking out of turn. This is why we love Peter from the Bible, because he's the one that says, hey, um, Lord, should we build a tabernacle? Remember that it was Elijah and it was Moses, right? And we see that Elijah represented the prophets, right? And Moses represented the law. And they were there on the Mount of Transfiguration together with Jesus. And remember that Peter said, hey, maybe we should build a tabernacle, one for Elijah, one for uh, Moses, and one for, for Jesus. We should build one together. And this is one of the times that we really shouldn't talk out of turn when we're not sure what to say. 
Uh, but we see that this is when the Lord said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And this thing frightened the disciples. And so they went down. But remember that Jesus went and put his hand on them and asked them not to be afraid. And as they turned around and looked, it was Jesus back to who he was. And he was Jesus standing before them. But we see that that happened on the Mount of Transfiguration. It was just such a powerful thing. And one of the things that I, I love to draw you to this area is because in the very previous chapter, in, in chapter 16, verse 28, it speaks that there would be people standing. This is Jesus speaking, that he said that there is some standing here that will not taste death until they see the glory of God coming into his kingdom. And, and many people have said that this did not happen because the people that were there, that they were actually, they died before Christ came back. But what Christ was referring to, that they would see the glory of God right before them. He transfigured that they would see glory of God, who he was. And so this was fulfilled in this portion of scripture here. The next very few verses, 17, 1 through 19, they see that it was fulfilled in the, in the transfiguration of the Lord. One of the last things I want to leave for you in this area that I think is so powerful, that one of the things that I've heard before, that I've heard people say that when we get to heaven, that many of us are not going to know each other, that some people say. But one of the things that I think is so amazing that we see in this part of scripture here, that we see that they knew exactly who Elijah was and they knew exactly who Moses was. I don't, I don't believe they came to heaven and they came out and they had a name tag on them. I don't think they had a name tag on them. And so they, were, they knew exactly who they were. And, you know, one of the um, commentators, actually, or one of the people that I follow online, one of the pastors, he said, you know, when people ask about are we going to know each other when we get to heaven? Um, and, and I love what his answer was. His answer was, I don't think we're going to be any more stupid in heaven than we are here. You know, it's like we've got to be we're going to know each other. And God has, you know, orchestrated. And this is the thing that's so amazing. I love that way Greg Laurie says that, that God is he created the earth. And we've some of you have been to Hawaii, some of the most beautiful places on earth. And we see that there is a place in heaven and God did not skimp on heaven. God did not skimp on heaven. And we're going to have everything. And not, there's not going to be anybody in heaven that's going to say, man, I'm yearning for to go to earth. No, we're going to be, remember, we're going to be in our glorified bodies and we're going to be eternally with our families, with the people that have gone on before us. And an amazing day that will be. So here in verse 18, it says, um, and we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. One of the things that, that Peter is telling them is that we were witness, not only um, we actually, we, had, we were witness in sight, and we were also witness that we, the things that we heard, that we heard the word of God coming as he spoke to us, and we were also witness of our presence. We were there, physical presence, we were there. We saw these things, and this is what, the reason why he's telling them, don't believe the false teachers, and we're going to cover the false teachers as they come into chapter 2. And this is the reason why Peter is pointing all of this out, that he said, I was eyewitness before I die. I want you to know that I saw these things with my own eyes. I am a witness. The disciples are a witness of these things, the majesty of who Christ is. And this is the, what he wants to make clear before he leaves this earth. He wants to make sure that they know that he is there. And I spoke about this, the holy mountain. Um, like I said, we don't know for sure where this holy mountain is exactly. Here in verse 19, it says, And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in dark places until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. One of the things as we see that the world is getting darker and darker, and we don't have to go too far 
um, away or by turning on the TV or reading a newspaper, if people still read newspapers, um, we can see that the world is getting darker and darker. And this is the reason why I believe it's so important for each and every one of us to take the word of God out to the world that we would shine, that the Lord would shine brighter and brighter in a darker and darker world. That we need to take this word in and we need to shine brightly uh, for Christ. One of the things that I, I, I love about this area that it spoke about the light that we would shine in dark places. There was uh, one guy that said that he went to a place and, and, and this is the kind of place he didn't really say the place where he bought these or where he saw them. But he said that it was a place like the fair or someplace like a truck stop. He said he went in and, you know, you find stuff that you buy for yourself personally, which are kind of unusual. You don't find them anywhere else. And he said he found a pair of slippers there that he was thinking about buying. The only reason why he didn't buy them is said because they only made them in pink. But these, these slippers, he said that they actually had lights on the fronts of them. So when you got up at night and you stepped into them, the lights would come on and you could walk around at night and you wouldn't bump into things or you wouldn't hit your toes or stub your toes on the bedposts. But when he was thinking about this, it reminded me of Psalm 119, 105 that says that, that, that the word of God is the light. Right? There's a lamp to our to our feet and a light to our path that we would see that the word of God. And this is what Peter is pointing out here, that it would be a light, that uh, the word of God would be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path that we would see. I, I just thought it was so fitting that we see that these uh, slippers that he's speaking about. But this uh, morning star, I, I really love it. I think you guys are going to love this morning star. And this is Jesus, what he refers to himself in the book of Revelation. And it says 22, um, 16. And it says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. And we see that Jesus is that bright and morning star. And this is what he's speaking about here, that Jesus is the light of the world. And so we are to stay in the word of God, stay connected to Jesus Christ, for who, it is the light of the world. As the world gets darker and darker, we are to stay closer and closer to the Lord. I think it's powerful that we see that. So here in verse 20, it says, Knowing this first, that no, no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. You see, Peter is saying that the word of God did not come from man, right? The word was divinely inspired. It is divinely inspired by God. And this is what we, Peter is telling them, that telling them to stand on the word of God, that they would stand on the word of God and that they would have trust and they would put their faith and trust in the word of God. We see as, as we get into chapter two next week, as we're going to get into chapter two, he is going to address the false teachers that are coming into the church and they are sharing false doctrine with the church. And this is oftentimes, and what, what I think I, what interests me so much about this is that we see that since the beginning of the church here, we see that people have been trying to bring, the enemy has been trying to bring false doctrine into the church. And this is an area of scripture that we need to be very, very careful. And this is the reason why I love, and I always bring it up, but this is the reason why I love that Pastor Ed always speaks about that baloney meter. And when, you know, uh, you know, it's when we read things and we also, when people come to our house and they tell us things, we are supposed to approach them with a true word of God. And I, and I told you, I love this especially, and not that I'm trying to lead any way. If when people come and they knock on my door of my house, I love to ask them if they have a Bible. And I try to put in my heart, John 1030, right? Something like that. Me and my father are one. When they say, hey, well, you know, Jesus wasn't God. He never claimed to be God. 
me and my father are one. It's, 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 they're the same. They're one and the same. And when they come and you read that out of their Bible, they oftentimes they don't know what to say. And oftentimes they want to leave. And when they want to leave, this is an opportunity for us to pray and ask the Lord that the light would be shine on them, that they would come to know and understand the true word of God. In love, we are called to reach others in love. And so here in verse 21, it says, For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And we see that there was 40 different authors over, uh, I forget the time, it's 16, 1800 years, some people say, that they wrote the Word of God. But these are the things, as they wrote these Word of God, that it was men that were moved by the Holy Spirit that moved upon them. And, and, and as you study the Bible, and as you see the connections in the Bible, um, if you came to the, the church on uh, Wednesday, do you see the connection between the book of Genesis and you see the connection that of, that he was speaking of. And these authors wrote, or these, these people that were inspired by God wrote the word of God so that the connection would be. And the, and the whole uh, from Genesis to Revelation, it is Jesus Christ. Even in the Old Testament, I think it's so powerful that we see that Jesus Christ is in the Old Testament. Very clear that we would see that Jesus Christ is in the Old Testament. He came, yes, to die for our sins in the New Testament that he was born through Mary and Joseph, or through Mary and the, and the, and God, right? That he was his, uh, stepfather, right? Joseph was his stepfather, but we see that, we see those things. So be, be prepared next week. We're gonna be in, uh, we're gonna go to, uh, the false doctrine. Uh, but one of the things that I wanted to leave you tonight with is a story, and it's something that we oftentimes we're familiar with, that it is a traffic report, that oftentimes we, we, we read a traffic report or we see it on the news as we're contemplating going to work and, and we're, we're, we want to, we want to, you know, we'll know what the traffic is like ahead of us. We, we try to look at it. Some of, some of us have apps on our phones that we're looking for it. And one of the, where the, uh, where these apps, where they get their information from, they oftentimes get their information from a helicopter that is flying around in the air and is looking down in the freeway systems and they're saying, don't come this way. This is, you know, the, and in our little apps, it'll, it'll have a red or it'll have yellow that the traffic is slowing down in any particular areas. And so that helicopter has the vantage point that they can see and they translate that information to us and we take that information and then we plan and we maneuver how we're going to get to work. Well, this is exactly what happens with the Word of God, that God has that vantage point, that we're looking for things that are out ahead that we can't see with the eyes that we have. And God has that vantage point. If we will look to His Word, these these uh, questions or these place that we would maneuver our lives would be answered, that the Word of God would lead us through those things. Amen? Amen. So, Father God, we thank You, Lord. For your goodness, Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you um, that you've met us here, Father, tonight, Lord. We ask, Lord, that as we prepare for another week ahead of us, Father, we ask, Lord, that we would um, that you would give us a heart, Lord, that would fill it with more of you and less of us. We love you, Father, and we pray all of these things tonight. We pray them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.